I'm happy you said you missed me. I missed you. <laughs> you sounded like you meant it just then. I did. <laughs> okay, don't cry. Don't be weird. Well, thank you for holding me down. Cause, yeah, How long were you gone for? Two months. Just two months? Yeah, felt longer. It felt like three, four. <laughs> everyone was like, everyone was acting like I went away for half a year. Are you? Are you? How do you feel? I feel better. Really? I actually That's feel scary. better. <laughs> <laughs> hi, hi guys. Um, Tim and I haven't seen each other in two months. We have been doing this podcast remote. Yeah. And now we're back and we are here to talk about Nigeria. Nigeria. I'm doing the episode. This episode comes out on Wednesday. Right? Yes. So mm-hmm. a month after June 12th. What? No, a week, sorry. A week. Wednesday is the 21st. Wednesday is your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> Tim Tyler's birthday is on Wednesday, the yeah, 21st of June. And he is turning... Don't say that. Older. Okay. <laughs> this is really fun because Tim Tyler's birthday is exactly two weeks before mine. Mine is Wednesday, the 5th of July. Mm-hmm. And... Wow, we are officially in birthday Once season. Also, it's like a year. Yes, it's birthday season. Are you excited for your birthday? No. Why? It's 31. It's not a big year. Well, you said it with ease. Um, It's <laughs> not... <laughs> Can we bluff that Did you... <laughs> Actually, leave it. it Did you matter. enjoy your 30th? 30th was nice. You helped plan that one. Yeah. So your 30th was good. Really good. You weren't around for it, though. I was in the hospital. Yeah, you were not feeling well. <laughs> That is so rise of my body. <laughs> yeah, it happens to the best of us. 30, 30 felt like a lifetime ago. That actually does feel like a while ago. I was dating know. someone different. I was looking different. My hair was different. Now I'm uh, turning this other age. and Life begins at 30. So I was told recently by my yeah, friend people who say that, but recently no. turned 30. Also, this episode is special because this is the first time we've recorded since your new show came out. That is true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. I have an episode dropping on your birthday with uh, Governor Babajide Sanundu. So. Nice. That should be fun. Exciting. Yeah. Reason I chose this topic, apart from the whole June 12 celebration, mm. is because, you know, in recording and interviewing people and speaking, having conversations for my new show, um, something I realized is like a lot of people were just escaping death. I feel like we've spoken about assassinations here and we spoke mm-hmm. about like the assassination of Chief Alfred Rwani, for example. Mm-hmm. And we talk about like mostly the people who were killed, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's a whole bunch of people who survived. Mm-hmm. For example, did you know they tried to kill Atiku too? And by they, I mean... The military government. Yeah, Abacha's, specifically Abacha's military, military government. government yeah. <laughs> um, and Abacha's squad, the strike squad, mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure you know about because you always know about all these. You know more about Nigerian history than I do. I do not. What, what is, uh, was, there, was there a nickname for Abacha's strike squad? Uh, I feel like there was. I mean, I feel like there was. There's Sergeant Rogers is the one that's like super infamous. Mm-hmm. The guy who went on stand at the Oputa panel and said, mm. I killed Kudurat Abiola and Al Mustafa told me to do so. <laughs> In case you guys are wondering, like, no one has ever been held responsible for any of these True. any of these deaths or assassinations or attempts. Yeah. So I guess today I want to talk about people who survived. 
Because, yeah, because when we talk about June 12th and we celebrate Democracy Day, it's, I feel like there's a lot of focus on MK Abiola, which is valid. Mm -hmm. But then there are people who are alive today who stories don't really, I don't know, who's like, their labor isn't really like, I don't know, recognized. Because no one is really going to be like, talk about like, for example, Dele Alake or Alake, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. He is one of the new special advisors to Ashiwaju. And um, he was attacked by gunmen, but like that's not his claim to fame anymore. Mm. Like he's been a commissioner in Lagos and now he's a special advisor to the president and a career appointee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a good gig. Oh my gosh. And Atiku has been VP, but also there was a time where obviously he was partners with Joe Yardua mm. and they were shooting mans up, you know, shoot him up in Kaduna, shooting him, yeah. But then that's not going to be his legacy now, is it? So, nope. Yeah. But so I thought today, let's talk about survivors, mm. I guess. People who survived Abacha <laughs> and also like Sergeant Rogers. Do you yeah. know much about him? A few of them. Everyone, I feel like everyone, well, not everyone, but a lot of people just tend to have this odd relative who barely survived a bacha. Yeah. Mm. No, I mean, yeah. Mm. Even like, remember the episode with Files, he was mm. talking about his dad and how he survived because he was out of sight, out of, out sight, of, out of mind. mind. Yeah. He was already in jail. Before we continue, I have a question. Okay. So, in the style of, you know, the Gestapo and uh, dinner, for instance, in Chile. Yeah. I've been thinking about secret polices a lot and how they are very indicative of, you know, totalitarian government and all of that. DSS mm-hmm. is a secret, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it's a secret police, right? Do you mean DSS or SSS? So SSS might even be, it's even better because they're more federal, aren't they? And I guess they're both... Mm. What? No, SSS, SSS and DSS are the same thing, aren't, aren't they? Um, I think it's just a branding thing. I think they're the same organization. Maybe. Yeah. So SSS is State Security Services. And DSS is what? Department of State Security Services. Oh. So DSS is them trying to legitimize their the, sort of... What they were before. What they, yeah. Okay. Now. Oh, okay. now. And I was now thinking like, okay, what countries have never really had a secret police just harassing dissidents and people are complaining about conditions? Yeah. Are there many? I don't think there's... I think, you know, you had what the FBI did to guys like MLK and all of that. Yeah. Bro, the FBI... My, my favorite WTF fact about the FBI mm-hmm. is that they would put laxatives in fruit mm. in grocery stores. Like, they would put... Imagine they'll stop, like, a truckload of oranges that's yeah. going to a grocery store in a black area and inject the oranges with laxatives. The FBI would give people the shits <laughs> mm. as, like, terrorizing communities. I understand why African-Americans are so paranoid about... Stuff, anything. Bro, because... They, they tried put, it. They tried it. Laxatives and oranges, like, if somebody came out and said that, like, if it wasn't leaked information, yeah. you would think it's made up. Mm. I hear that. I hear that. Yeah, I think uh, most countries have had, have had to deal with that. It's weird. 
I can't really think of a situation in the UK with that. Well, with MI5 or MI6, like, running up. Yeah. Oh, no, they had their own. Their own citizens. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm pretty sure, like, every state security system has, at some point in time, mm. done some stuff against their own populations or minority populations. Very, very sure. It's just a, it's a very, it's like a government thing. Yeah, but do you think, like, state security... Like, secret service in itself is a necessary evil. I think it just depends on policy and what their policies are and how they are, um, how they've been executed and how they affect people's rights. So I don't think, inherently, maybe not, but I can't think of any country that's really had a state security service or a secret police service and haven't abused it. I guess any police service, really, or any intelligence service, they've all been Mm -hmm. abused. Mm. So I think they're just a tool. Right. But do you think like there's some good to actually having like a secret service in itself, though? I think so. I think uh, if people are duly elected, they need to have access to an intelligence network, stuff yeah. that protects them and protects the state. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're, but they're just abused. They're just abused. They're more often than not used to put down revolutionaries, people that have different ideas, you know? When oh, come on. Don't you remember last year or the year before when a certain first lady kidnapped someone and had him beaten because of a tweet or two? She beat him herself. She beat him herself. She, she broke her arm, right? No, her leg. She her hurt leg. her leg. She, yeah, Apparently, she, she leg. didn't break his, but she injured. Yeah. And the thing about it is, like, she did not to body shame the woman, mm. but she looked like she herself was Asurok. <laughs> Have you seen the before and after of her and her husband? I have, yeah, really. it's crazy. That is impressive. Yeah. So, at this point, Nigerians, you know, all you need is good PR in Nigeria, man, and mm. you're good to go. Like, mm. and I, I have, I'm yet to see something that people don't get excited about just because of the way it's packaged. Yeah. Look at Chef Dami out of AKT. She's being packaged as some modest... Madonna. Bruh. Taking on... Slay queens. <laughs> It's so interesting to me because I see, I've seen so the type of language that I've seen being used to describe both Chef Dami and Chef Hilda, neither of which are chefs. So <laughs> yeah, let's well, let's talk about that in <laughs> that time. Neither. Let's not unpack that now. But yeah. the, the language that I've seen on the internet is like people project so much onto individuals, and also like Nigerians sometimes. I just think we all need to go back to secondary school and do reading comprehension. Yeah. Think. Just think. Just think. Just like, play with it. Enjoy yourself. Just ruminate. Ruminate. <laughs> That's the word. That's the word. Um, and also these fanboys, like, becomes like proxy wars for other things mm-hmm. on the internet, right? Like, now it's the feminists on Chef Hilda's side, so then the meninists are on Chef Dami's side, and then you, I'm like, what type behavior is this from adults grown ass people grown and like it's that same toxic thing that i saw going on with elections like that you see people with big brother the stan culture yeah people have turned stan culture into their whole personality and actually it needs to be researchers it must be some type of disease they will stand politician they will stand with kid they will you know, David but Doe. yeah, but then they'll stand. But it's like you can like Whiskey and David Doe. Like, try it. Some of us do. Yeah. <laughs> you can like Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi. You what? Perish like, the thought. 
because you like something does not mean you automatically have to hate something else. Yeah. It's so bizarre. Yeah. Okie dokie. I don't know how to segue into assassinations, but we're going into assassinations. Yeah. Oh, and survived. People who survived. Survived. So there's a guy who's known as Surgeon Rogers. Sergeant Rogers. Yes. I like that name. It sounds like a Beatles song. It is his code name. He, his real name is Sergeant Barnabas Jabila Mshelala or Imshle. I don't know. <laughs> no, Barney. Let's call him Barney. I'm going to call him Sergeant Barnabas Jabila. The last one I can't pronounce. <laughs> he was part of the strike squad. He was claimed by, like, you know, the magazines of back in the day, those news magazines, like Time Tell? Tell? You yeah, know? I know what you're talking about. Those old Nigerian magazines. Anyways, he basically put a lot of murders at his door. Like, he's the one who did it. He okay. is the man who killed for Abacha. At the Opita panels, he came out and he claimed three. So I'm going to give you facts about all three. Mm-hmm. And you will let me know what fact is true and what is a lie. Let's go. I'm ready. So, fact one. Should I call him Barnabas or Rogers? Rogers. Rogers. For consistency. Yeah. Fact one, Sergeant Rogers was sent to kill Alex Ibru, the founder of the Guardian newspaper, mm. but instead shot Theophilus Ibru, his brother, in For a... Now. Well, he was just part of the Ibru group. It's like oh, okay. a big, huge, rich Ibru family that yeah, I feel like most Niger- a lot of Nigerians know about. I love the name Theophilus, by the way. Theophilus, yes. Yeah. Um, Is it Greek? Uh, I don't know. You're usually the ones who knows like all these like roots of Hebrew names. It is Greek, yeah. Yeah. It means love or of God. That is nice. The Hebrew version of that is Ezra. Ezra means God's love. How do you? Because I'm gonna name my kid Ezra, the first one. But I've decided to just go with the Yoruba name instead. I'm happy you've decided to go. Yeah. With I, do, I do love the name Ezra though. It's a nice name. For You're boy. not even like particularly religious. I know, but I will be if I have a child. <laughs> that will send me straight to church like my mother and her mothers before her <laughs> redeemed straight <laughs> I'm not even going to Anglican churches are too chill they're too Anglican Catholic is too well behaved I need I need I need power you need power I need warriors I met a guy called Musby in Redeemed Church called Musby it's short for something Musby God must be. What must be, must be. Oh, no. That's a lot of process. What must be, must be. Wow. You know, the thing, how I test names is I scream it in an Nigerian accent and I see if it carries. Ezra carries. Ez. Ez does not carry. <laughs> they are not going to call your ez, the daughter Ezra. The teacher goes, Ezra, come here. That's how I, that's how I test. What teacher? Who is it? What school <laughs> is, she, is she going to? <laughs> that is how I test names. Does it carry? And, like, how would a Nigerian pronounce it? Mm, Ezra. Okay. They were not going to say Ezra, though. Ezra. Ezra. Why are you talking like that? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot in my facts, bro. Let's go. It's Captain... Yeah, Rogers. so Sergeant Rogers, Sergeant not Captain. Rogers. Sergeant Rogers shot the wrong Ebru and killed him, and that is how Alex Ebru survived. So that's the fact. He killed Theophilus and Alex survived? Yeah. Okay. Fact number two. Sergeant Rogers shot Pa Adesoya over 40 times and he survived. Shot at him over 40 times and he survived. And um, when they asked him how he survived, he said, <laughs> All I can tell you is that I'm Ijebu. He said he's Ijebu. He said he's Ijebu. Okay. That's fact two. 
and oh, like a bullet. Oh my god! <laughs> sorry, I'm not sorry. You know I'm not sorry. I know you're not sorry. Yeah. And fact number three, Sergeant Rogers, after confessing at the Oputa panel that he had killed, you know, people or was sent to kill multiple people, he got off the stand and went straight back to work at SSS and did not leave the SSS until 2009 when he had a car accident that affected his spinal cord. I have to redo the facts because we spoke a lot about Ezra in the middle. So first fact, he okay. shot the wrong Hebrew brother. Yeah. Second fact, he shot at Pa Adesanya over 40 times and Pa Adesanya survived. Mm-hmm. And third fact is, even after confessing to all these things and saying all these things, he not only went free... He but was he only just, retired by a car accident. Yeah, he just went back to work and he was only retired by a car accident in 2009. I think the lie is Ebron. Really? Yeah. You don't think he would make the mistake? Of shooting the wrong brother. Fair. Fair. Because I've shot a cousin, maybe. Fair. Shot someone's wife, maybe? I don't know. I think that's the one. 40 bullets is so ridiculous that it seems like it might happen. Per my mm-hmm. rule, I told Files in the last episode. <laughs> The more, the, the, trivia, so the more ridiculous, the more likely it is. The last one about paralysis sounds not like spinal, spi- yeah, yeah, spinal, spinal injury. Spinal injury. I mean, it sounds like an ending that he deserves, and life doesn't often work like that. So I'm moving away from that. I want to go with the first one. Fair. The first one is a lie. So was I right or wrong? You were right. I was right. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Um, so what happens when you use your brain? <laughs> now. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that a lot because I think it's more interesting when I lose. Really? Have more I fun. Mean, you ha- you have more fun when you lose. Mm-hmm. So he didn't shoot the wrong brother. In fact, I don't even know if Alex Ibru has a brother called Theophilus. I pulled that name out of my brain. Actually, it, I'm not sure I pulled this out of my brain. I think his brother-in-law yeah. might have been Theophilus. So let's talk about how Alex Ibru survived. I think I should give a little bit of background on Sergeant Rogers and the strike force, right? So, Al-Mustafa, who was charged for the murder of Khadirat Abiola, MKO Abiola's wife, mm-hmm. for her assassination, he was charged for the attempted assassination on Alex Ibru. Amongst other things, he was released from prison. He was not found guilty. Nigeria is ni- as Nigeria does. He's on YouTube claiming his innocence right now, so in case you're interested... You can check it out. Mm. But Al-Mustafa was Abacha's chief security officer. And he told the courts when he was put on trial for the murder of Kudirat Abiola, he told the courts that the strike force, which is essentially all they did was strike, (laughs) kill people, Mm. was created by the NSB on the 2nd of January 1995. And that it began to work in May of that year. Members of the strike force were selected from, you know, SSS. They were selected from the military. They were selected from different areas. You know, if you're doing well, you would be selected. Mm. And they were sent for training in Libya while the bodyguards, they were called the bodyguards, which is like, I guess, another gang of Abacha guys, were sent to North Korea. Jeez. Really random. Now, this is according to Al-Mustafa's testimony. According to Sergeant Rogers, they, were also, they also received training from Israelis, so Mossad. 
who came into the country to train them. Mm. He says this at the Oputa panel. You guys can also find that testimony. There's like 21 minutes or more of Sergeant Rogers' testimony. It's on YouTube. It's really enthralling to watch this. Like, I would tell you guys to definitely watch it. It's very interesting. He says, like, so they ask him, you know, he's like, according to the magazines, they said I've killed XYZ, XYZ, XYZ. He said, I haven't killed all those people and I haven't been sent to kill all those people. He was speaking very frankly, like, really casual, like, just matter-of-factly. Yeah, he had gotten assurances. He had. So he was told at the beginning of his testimony that you will not, you're not on trial. He'd been given assurances. The person questioning him is Yemi Osibajo, our former vice president. Wow. Yeah. There's very interesting cast of characters when you read about this period and our history. He says, you know, I was sent to kill three people. Um, and he names them as Paradisoya, Alex Ibru, and Kudirat Abiola. He said he failed two, but he did kill Kudirat Abiola. But he, the thing is, when he first says it, he only says three people. And then they ask him, like, you said three people, but you didn't say the names. And he said, I was told not to say the names, but I will say that they sent me to, and I did kill Kudirata Biola. And you can hear the room just go, oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And he was like, and, you know, Al Mustafa had testified before him. And so there was just this feeling that, well, what you're saying goes against what Al Mustafa said. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, I'm not surprised he's denying He's not taking responsibility for what he did. But he's like, we're military guys. Like, we work on orders. So he's the one giving the order. The order is coming from the top. Like, we're not just going, doing our own thing. We're not freelancers, you know. There is a, what's the word called? Like, there's a hierarchy. What's the thing called in military? Like, you know, but there's like a hierarchy. Yeah, it's a hierarchy, yeah. Chain of command. There's a chain of command, exactly. Like, and commands very it's very explicit you know and he basically says like he's born again now you i know, think he's I a just, i read sergeant rogers aka mr death now a crippled born again i read it <laughs> and two seconds later you said he's now born again i'm just like wow <laughs> did you just say mr death now a crippled born, born again <laughs> you're an adrian writers are eloquent <laughs> It's an eloquence that only comes from being part of the Nigerian press. Wow. Wow. You just have a way with words. Mm-hmm. So he was apparently serving in a military unit in Jaji when mm-hmm. he was told to report to Abuja for training as a member of a special squad, mm. um, which is when he then learns he has been selected for this mm. strike force. Apparently, while training, he was impressive to the israeli trainers and so he was like selected very early on for this like strike force the thing about it is all the things i read call him a sniper right right but everywhere he killed or tried to kill they were just spraying bullets (laughs) so (laughs) i don't know if nigerians are using sniper as in like he's a sharpshooter or something because oh he knows how to operate a gun yeah because like a sniper really means something. It means precision. It means precision. And he was spraying bullets. So yeah. I don't know if you would call him. I, I don't get the I don't get the feeling that he was. Mm. I don't get the feeling that he was an actual sniper. Really? Um, he says like, you know, he was in charge of logistics and planning and ETC. But 
again, I just don't think he was a sniper. But you would see him online being described as a sniper. And I think someone just took liberties with the word because it probably just sounds cooler. Mm. And yeah, so let's talk about the day Alex Ebru was shot. Mm. This, so this happens on the 2nd of February, 1996. It's a Friday and he goes to Federal Palace and he is going to meet his brother-in-law, whose name is Alex Thomopoulos. I can't pronounce that, but I think it's also Greek. Yeah, his wife's name was Maiden. His wife's name was what? Maiden. That's a weird name. That's a very interesting name, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. A fair maiden. Yes. So this, I'm going to read her account of what happened that day. Mm. You don't usually hear the wife's side. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Uh, kind of. Yeah, so he goes to work, and it's like a regular Friday. And by the way, so like Alex Ebru was also at one point in time um, a minister mm. in Abacha's government. Mm. Before, you know, he had set up the Guardian. The Guardian was seen as being like leftist, pro awoism pro Awoism. Isn't, isn't it amazing that there was a time Nigeria as a country had a left and a right? Isn't that insane? <laughs> isn't that scary? Sorry. Where there was a time where it was just about political ideology. It is absolutely frightening. I can't imagine that. It is frightening. That's what Files was talking about. The speech I sent him, I should probably send it to you too. Mm. But Files and I were locked in an ideal, like an <laughs> We're locked in an ideological debate. And I was like, wow, like, this doesn't happen much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's also like... never happened. It's also like how... There was a time where most university... Like, it's a big thing in the West. Like, most people go to university and come back as either communists... But, you know, uh, yeah. and that was a big thing in Nigeria. Yeah, you know that's why these in their fraternities they would call each other comrade and this and that. Yes. Now, no, it's what? Nothing. No, they're not even like it's so. It's absolutely crazy to me that like Zikism is like an ideology mm. and like a rallying cry, and Awoism is like an ideology, mm-hmm. and you can read their speeches and you read them talk about things like. And they're applying theory, right? And and they're applying themselves in like what's happening in the world, but also what's peculiar to Nigeria. True, yeah. And also what's peculiar to their tribe, right? There's mm-hmm. also identity there, right? And mm-hmm. identity like identity representation. Mm-hmm. Identity representation today has been diluted and like bastardized into just tribalism. No, yes. Yeah. You know, and there are some sentiments that are not new. Like that, it is our turn, or we should have a turn running this country. It's not a new sentiment, mm-hmm. right? And the idea that power should be shared and that there should be national character mm. is also not a new sentiment. But this, like, we're, I feel like we're just getting dumber. We, we might be. But that's what happens when you weaponize poverty the way our leaders have weaponizing poverty but i also think that it also is what happens when we actually elect anti-intellectual into power and, and, then, and, and academia yes and also literally abandon our political system mm-hmm. to who's the roughest toughest guy who can get through a couple of military regimes would do that to you yeah right mm. like it's also a symptom of the fact that we only like we were alive when we got out of military rule. Yeah, I met Abacha on this earth. I I, I, I lived through Abacha. I lived through Abacha, right? Yeah. Like in a very like childish way. I was mean I was a child, but like mm. at the same time, it's so I understand where where babies in this game, but like 
I feel like more people need to know that we are actually babies in this game and we cannot let go of our political system. Mm. Like, we have to actually meet them and mm-hmm. do something because right now, the conversation's shallow. You know, even sometimes, like, I see, what do you call them? Like, political jobbers mm. on Twitter who can, they can easily, half of them can easily just be hired to be stands for David Doe or Burner Boy and they will be just as excited. There is no depth yeah. in our conversations anymore and it's yeah. so painful i agree but okay yeah so alex ibru is seen to be a leftist our is you know and according to his wife he gets pulled into government because they're like you don't have enough southerners and <laughs> we need you you know you have the profile we need and this is how he becomes a minister according yeah. to his wife and he quits. He resigns. Now, his wife was saying, you don't, there's no resignation. You can't resign from Abacha. So you, you two, you have to know that once I resign, like trouble might come and meet me. <laughs> do you, you, know, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do you tell Abacha I quit? I'm not. <laughs> Better unquit right now. <laughs> so he resigns. There were definitely some issues around him ordering the release of some prisoners who were of Southern extraction. So, I believe Alex Ibru is from my area. He's a South-South man. But, you know, there was just some tension in which Apacha apparently shouted at Alex Ibru saying that what he did was treason and treasonous. And at that point, I think he packed his load and said, bye Abuja. Peace. Peace. (laughs) This is a rich man. This is a big man who was living big man life. And he's probably thinking... I think this one has passed me. So mm. he returns to Lagos and he is going to Federal Palace for meetings, for work. He's going to the office. And on this particular Friday, his wife says that she just has like a very weird vibe. Like she's like, she usually doesn't, you know, call him at work or whatever, like when he's having meetings, mm-hmm. but that she even called his, like the secretary or like the office lady whose name was Gloria. And she was like, Gloria. Where's your guy? Like, she's like, she's just at home pacing. Mm. Like, something just feels off to her about the day. And that Gloria said, Oga's just next to us a meeting. And she was like, oh, don't disturb him. Don't tell him I called. Like, you know, just maybe I'm just para, right? Mm-hmm. At this time where she was calling him, do you know who was outside? Who? Sergeant Rogers. God. Now, so, Sergeant Rogers had come in a blue pojou. How do you pronounce it in normal way? Pujo. It's Pujo. Or Pidgeot. <laughs> and he had pulled up at Federal Palace and he had... So this is from his testimony mm-hmm. and her retelling. But he said that he had asked Hausa guys who sell stuff outside. I'm looking for Mr. Ibru. And they said, is it... He said there are two... There's two of them. Is it the one who's always wearing suits? Or is it the one that's wearing white on white? That used to usually wear white on white. And he said, I'm looking for the one that wears white on white. And that's how he identified him, which is weird. Very weird. Which is weird. Like, did they not send these guys with pictures? I, I don't know much about, like, a strike force, but I just feel like you would need to get there and ask the guy selling Chingom outside, uh, which, <laughs> which one's my target? Like, the guy selling Chingom probably saw them and it was like, okay, maybe I shouldn't lie to these guys. I mean, yeah. But it's so weird for, to me. Like, I just thought they'd be more prepared. Prepared. Precise. And precise. For some snipers. <laughs> <laughs> so they tell him, like, which 
you know, pointing towards the direction of the right Hebrew and his car or whatever. And at this point in time, you know, they're now just, it's now a stakeout and they're waiting for him to come out. Between 4 and, you know, just after 4 p.m., after work, around 5 p.m. or something, Alex Ibru gets into his car and heads towards his home in Ikoi. And he is being tailed by this blue Porsche. I said Porsche. Blue Peugeot. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't realize. Apparently, he tells his driver, or like his... You know, it was around Falamore Bridge. Mm. And so they were getting on Falamore Bridge. And, you know, Falamore Bridge, you can even either go down um, or go straight. Mm. And I think they hadn't cased him properly because usually they go down. Um, he usually goes down to like Milverton mm. area or whatever. I think he lived around Milverton. So, you know, you t- that's the fastest way. Yeah. But because they just said he lived in Ikoe, and these are some SSS guys that they brought, they thought he was just going to go straight or something. Mm-hmm. But when they realized that he was going down, they quickly jumped out, they being, so Sergeant Rogers is in the car with three other people. And he quickly jumps out and shoots in the air so that, you know, motorists conf- cause confusion. Apparently, Alex Ibru at that point in time thought it was just like police because police do be shoot. And... Once he just looked to his side, he was shot straight in the face. He wow. lost he lost his eye and two fingers in this attempt on his life. So he did not like survive unscathed. And he was rushed first. His driver rushed him back to the federal palace. Apparently there was a hotel or a clinic there. And then he was rushed to St. Nicholas Hospital uh, because they couldn't, they didn't, I mean, that was the hospital that could handle it. And then he was flown to Switzerland um, two days later with his wife and his family. They flew him to Switzerland for treatment. They were able to save his right eye, um, but they weren't able to save the left eye and two fingers. His wife tells this story and she says... When he was shot and taken to the hospital, they, she didn't know. So she was just home waiting for him. And then her brother comes to her house and her cousin and Alex's older brother also comes to the house. And she's just like, what has happened? Um, and like, you know, you know, when you just see like, it's so scary because like when bad things happen, like, you just know, like you come and you see people who should not normally be in your house, in your house, and you just know that like yeah. something has gone wrong. And she was like, "What? You know, what happened? What happened?" And her brother was like, "I promise you, he's not dead." Interestingly enough, the part of the story that I didn't realize until I read her side is that the strike force tried to head to the hospital, <laughs> um, but at that point they had put you know security officers everywhere mm-hmm. to make sure that no one could get to his room. Mm. Um, and she had to wait for permission from Babagana Kingigbe um, to fly him out because they wanted to fly him out as soon as he stabilized, but they couldn't until two days later. It's just a very, it's a, I mean, incredible that he survived. The direct shot to the face loses his eye, like shot in the head, essentially. Like when they say they shoot in your face, that's somebody shooting at your head like close mm-hmm. like this guy pulls up right beside your window and shoots you in the face mm-hmm. and you live to tell the tale yeah and you live for years after that he died i think 16 or so years later so he's passed now but he survived that which is insane it's magical yeah 
Okay. Uh, but yeah, you see why I say these guys, are they really snipers? Not that, like, not, <laughs> not like that, but like... Yeah, I know what you mean. If a sniper is not going to pull up beside your car to shoot you, that kind of goes against mm-hmm. what sniping is. Sniping, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is how Alex Ivo survived. And should we talk about Pa Adesanya? Yes, please. So, Pa Adesanya, Senator Abraham Adesanya, was the leader of Afeniferi. He was one of 20 children, and he was the only one initiated into a secret cult by his father. He was the chosen one. <laughs> I'm giving you this background because I love <laughs> the stories I read about this, him surviving the attempts, multiple attempts at his life, including multiple bullets shot directly at him. People are like, you need to know he was part of a secret cult. And he was one of 20 children. And daddy said, this is the one that is joining me. (laughs) 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 And he was said to have fortified his powers by communicating directly with the ancestors. It is said that the Lagos commissioner of police at that time inspected the car and like the bullet holes and said that no human being should have survived that assassination attempt. Mm. By the way, both Pa Adesanya and his driver survived the attempt on his life and his driver ran away (laughs) (laughs) afterwards. I was like, I can't drive you again. (laughs) Like, it's okay. Like, I'm a driver Mm, yeah. I don't need this. <laughs> Life can be simple for me. You grab. And Pade Sanya says in Yoruba, I'm not going to say in Yoruba, but he basically says in Yoruba, he is being childish. Otherwise, he would have realized that if the god does not break, the water inside it cannot be spilled. Mm. Also, you asked me earlier, you yeah. said, what was the name like nickname for the strike force? Mm-hmm. I think they were also known as the Death Squad. Death right? Squad? They were known as the Death Crazy. Squad. Oh, really? And apparently they were made up of about 75 people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. First thing you need to know that is that Sergeant Rogers used to move around with an F-90 submachine gun, a Belgian specification. This weapon of choice fires 900 rounds per minute. Oh, boy. Is easily concealed and specifically made for special forces and covert and counter terrorism operations. It is the gun that they used to kill Kudirat Abiola. Wow. This was their third attempt on her life. And it was done in an operation codenamed Operation Sika Aiki, which apparently translates to finish the job in Hausa. Mm. By the way, like in Surgeon Rogers's testimony he stresses that like it was not a northern strike force as the media made it seem that there were people from essentially the killers had national character (laughs) that there were killers from all areas of the country he was just you know saying that like the media does make it seem like Abacha's henchmen were all northerners. But it was really just... Al Mustafa. Well, it was Al Mustafa was in charge, really. Mm-hmm. And even in Maiden, Alex Ibru's wife's um, statement, like she says that like Abacha was a figurehead, but uh, like Al Mustafa was the person who was the mm-hmm. reign of terror. Even Kudirat Abiola's children have come out to say that Al Mustafa 
is the person who killed their mom. Like, he didn't shoot the bullet, mm. but it was him. So, it is our Mustafa. I mean, at least from the way I'm reading the sources. And yeah. even from what Sergeant Rogers said on the stand, is it is our Mustafa. But yeah, Rogers confirmed that on the 14th of January, 14th of January, 1997, at Simpson Street in Lagos, in Lagos Island, near the Total Petrol Filling Station. Petrol Station. <laughs> Why am I saying feeling station? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Welcome back to Lagos. <laughs> they were oh my wow 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 are they so? <laughs> at that point, it was Elf. It was not Total, but at the petrol station near Sura Market, Simpson Street, Lagos Island, they opened machine gun on Pa Adesanya and fired over forty bullets into his Mercedes Benz. Pa Adesanya at this point was seventy four. It's awful. Um, he was leader of Nadeku. It was Afeniferi. He was. They used to call him. I'm not sure. And some I've seen some refer to him that at that point in time he was known as like the Ashiwaju of Yoruba land. Yeah. It's so weird. Like now Ashiwaju has become like synonymous with that guy. Your president. Yeah. Your president. Yeah. Our president. <laughs> I see people call him P-Bat now, and it's so weird. P-Bat. Have you, you haven't seen that? No. And I hope I never see it. Yeah. And basically, he survived. Lived to tell the tale. This is annoying stuff. Why is it annoying? Because Mustafa is still out here thriving. Yeah. Granting interviews. On YouTube. It's very strange. It's so almost like I was put on trial. And he says, Yemi Osibajo basically confused or like coerced or trained Sergeant Rogers into naming Al Mustafa <laughs> as the leader. And he says, because I watched one of his interviews, it was a frustrating experience. But he was just like, I went through 14 courts up from the magistrate system to courts, 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 and everybody found me innocent. And I'm like, says, I mean, do you have faith in our justice system? Nope. Did you see what... Uh, isn't that I did. You know why I don't have faith in? I don't have faith in respectability anymore. What does that mean? So, like, you know, there's a way your, your hair is, so as a guy, you know, a woman, there's a way you're supposed to dress, your hair is supposed to look, and this and that. Yeah. And a lot of people that embody those ideals are some of the worst people in this country. Uh, yeah, so I those see. things mean nothing to me anymore. I mean, they, they haven't really in the past, but the older I get, the more likely I am to, you know, have the hair I think I should have and dress the way I think I should dress. I know I've always done those things, but now I'm just going to lean into it more because when I see an adult man in his 60s -hmm. saying, what was it that that man said about his justice wife? He said, I... He said, said doctors, engineers, and others help each other. My appeal court's justice wife can also help politicians. This was Bokachua. Bokachua, yeah. The thing is, he also said that he infringes upon her independence and she allows it. This woman is the first woman to be president of the Court of Appeal. (laughs) The thing is that I'm very familiar with this woman, even before all this happened, because both her son and her husband are card-carrying members of the APT, and her son was trying to be governor, I believe, of Gombe State, I believe it was. Her son was trying to be governor under APC, and then she was put in charge of the presidential tribunal in 2019. 
where obviously Buhari's APC presidency was being challenged. She ended up stepping down after Atiku's team you know, raised this issue and mm-hmm. went to the media and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's like, bro, if everyone in her family is a card-carrying member of the APC and she's adjudicating an election tribunal, it's yeah. like, for appearance of fairness, at the very least, like, Come on. you should have... She she shouldn't have had to be forced to step down. Yeah. Like, you should have never been on that panel. Yep. And it's, you know, it's like... It's, it's just the, so flagrant. It's, that's the issue. It's flagrant. It's a country of impunity. Oof. Honestly, law school is too hard for how ridiculous our court and justice it's, system it's, is. Thank you. I agree with that. It's too hard for how ridiculous it is on these streets. Because, honestly, law school was one of the harder things I've done. And I've done hard things. <laughs> You know what it is for politicians to come out and say, go to court if you don't like it, and they're laughing because it's a joke. Yeah. It's a, it's a joke, you know? know? It's funny. And this may sound like naivete, but like, I never thought it was a I don't know if it got progressively worse over the last decade, but it never felt like this much of a joke before. I don't know if that's a sentiment that, ca- that other people will carry, but it just never felt this bad. I think the last seven years. It's, it's so bad now. I have some family members who are like justices and stuff like that. And, you know, I remember I ran into some of them at the airport. Mm-hmm. We were all going for a wedding. And they were complaining about how flagrant some of their fellow benchers are. Mm. Like, so like who, are, who are these people and how do how did they get to these levels? Like, they have to be... They, is there no... Isn't... Oh, it's, it's, there's, it's, one, there's actually... There's one who, like... There's one who I know who, like, she got, she's gotten promoted recently. So, you know, she was a magistrate. She's risen through the ranks. She's rising through the, mm-hmm. the court system. And it's like just very openly discussed about how she is for play, like pay for play as yeah. a judge. You know who I'm talking about. I really hope that didn't get picked up on this mic. This mic is so powerful. Did it get picked up? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. She's so bad. Yeah. I mean, also, like, I have friends who've worked in Ministry of Justice and I've just yeah. heard a lot. Like, they actually. Yeah. It's an incubation hub right now for just some of the worst criminals. Yeah, that we'll ever have on the bench. So. And they're supposed to dole out justice. Yeah. Good luck to everyone involved. <laughs> Timothy tells this story. This is Happy Father's Day, Dad. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you listen to this, but because Timothy tells a story about how he left <laughs> he left litigation because of you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to tell this story? Yeah, man. <laughs> You know, it's funny. I actually told I told my cousin I, I hadn't told this story like a year or two. But I told my I told my cousin the story like the day before yesterday because he was mm. like, "Oh, how come you're not like you know going to court every day anymore?" And it was literally one day. I, I'd been going to court for about five six years, yeah. every day court. And then I was just having a really stressful court day, and I was going between two courts. I was going I was going between courts of appeal, high courts, Bushery, both. At the same yeah. time, and then I had to run to my office to get something. And at the time, my office was right next to Adesua's dad's office. My uh, dad is also a lawyer. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember, like, I'm really sweaty. And I think I'm buying lunch. They had delivered it to me, so I'd come out to pick it up. And I'm really sweaty. I was about to run back into the office, eat for five minutes, go back to court. And I was like, am I going to drive? Would a keke be more advisable? I think they hadn't gotten rid of them around that area then. Yeah. So I was like, I think I'll just use a keke. So I'm just standing on the road waiting for a keke. I'm sweaty, looking very like Nigerian lawyer. <laughs> just, you know those lie wasabi lawyers? Yes. 
I was like the embodiment of that. And your dad just drives past me and he winds down and he's like, hey, you good? <laughs> he, he just says hello. And in his eyes, I can see that he's just like, wow. <laughs> wow. This country is really teaching you some lessons. And I'm just like, yes, sir. <laughs> it is. <laughs> we don't exchange these words. Though. This is just in my heart what I'm feeling <laughs> and what I think he's <laughs> expressing. And I think, you know, I go home that day and I'm just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm good. I'll, I'll find another way. There has to be another way. It's so funny because he probably saw you and saw himself. <laughs> 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 because he was that lawyer sweating on the side of the road, bro, for years. I think our dads did their grind in a much better time for lawyers. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. They drove nicer cars, and uh, it was just it was it was it was they, less. They bought cars from their salary, which yeah. for me, in and it's of crazy. itself, a crazy concept. It's, it's a crazy concept. It's a crazy concept. And it wasn't uh, listening; it was just outright buying. <laughs> when my dad tells me stories about the nineties, they are very, they are like both horrifying. They are horrifying for two different reasons: actual horrific reasons, like wow, you lived through that, and yeah. oh my god, it was, it wasn't that, like it was much nicer then in yeah, certain ways. In certain ways. Yeah. I remember when I told my dad that I was leaving the law. <laughs> And he felt, I think it was quite painful for him because he just imagined me as this great lawyer. I, see, I still see that for you. I, <laughs> I mean, time will tell. Yeah, you're Bruh, right. I don't mind going, like, I don't know. I, turning 30 has been such a weird thing where I'm very open to doing anything. I mean, not only fans type of anything, but I'm, hey. <laughs> I mean, I'm very open to growing but um yeah no i i like broke down what my salary was worth and also what my salary growth was going to be and also that like how miserable i was and it was like over covid and we just spent i think he just spent a lot of time actually seeing me miserable doing the work because we were on work from home you Mm. know he was like yeah no okay Like yeah. and I, I think it's so hard for them because they're like we hustled and that is why we made it. Well, I mean that's the thing, isn't it? It's a, it's a, time it's, a it's a sacrifice it's time a sacrifice. thing. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, I think my problem, my actually the main the main thing for me was like, in seven years, am I going to want to be doing this? And the answer was no. So mm. I was like, then I should get out now. See, mine was, do I want to enjoy my? So for lawyers, it's like you make sacrifices now so you can enjoy your future. Yeah. But with the economy and with the way life is going, the time period for the sacrifice is extending. Yeah. I realize I want to enjoy now and my future. Fair. I think there's space for both. Fair. So I've decided to take a different path. Honestly, like people underestimate how frightening it is to not have the structure of like a firm or like a profession where you there's like clear demarcations for like career development. Mm. And like this is where you will be if you do this and this and this in five years. Instead, like just being out on these streets hustling mm-hmm. is so scary. It's the wild west. It's yeah, bro. Okay, so let us like we've been talking for and we've really missed each other. We've, we've given them a How long is episode. this episode? This is like an hour and a half. Done, Pat Adesanya, who, by the way, his nickname after the assassination was Akpamaku, oh, which is Akpamaku. We tried to kill him, but he don't die. Last Man Standing. Mm. He was His nickname was Last Man Standing. Also, I would like you guys to know that after the, this 74-year-old man was shot at over 40 times, 
at close range, he told his driver to continue driving him to work. Yet, here, here we are, can't handle some oh. sweat on the side <laughs> of the road. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. What was the third fact? Third fact is his retirement. Okay, yeah. Okay, that one doesn't really need much explaining. <coughs> it's true. Like, okay, should I go there? Please. So, the funniest thing about the overtime trial is that, like, one of the first questions, you know when you're doing, like, the intro of questions and you're like, so you were a member of the strike force from mm-hmm. when to when? And he was like, from 94 till dates. She <laughs> <laughs> said we're still striking. He said, who told y'all this shit was over? <laughs> who gave you that impression? <laughs> I got that gun in my holster. My favorite thing is that everybody in the room bursts out laughing. <laughs> he talks about how he was just following orders. Which, you know, is the same thing that people who gassed, gassed the juice said. I was just following orders. But he also says how... They'd go into the bush. Like, they would basically tell them that Nadeko were terrorists. And they were bombing people, which Nadeko were bombing. But, you know, he talks about how, like, they'd go on all these training exercises. They were trained by Israeli. Like, they thought they were just, like, a counter-terrorism unit for the most part. And almost if I would come and be like, this guy is trying to bomb the country. They're trying to kill your president. You know, like, be patriotic, be a good soldier, and mm. go and assassinate him so we don't have war and ETC. So that's how he describes his training, his experience. He's, like, in the media, he's seen as this big bad wolf, this, like, sociopath. But he just sees himself as an effective soldier. I don't know if there's much of a difference in the minds. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if there's much of a difference there. But, yeah, so... Obita panel was OBJ time, so early 2000s, yeah. I believe. Our, our very own Nuremberg. Yes. And he went to, he was still working at SSS when he had his car accident in 2009. There was an article called, like, Where's Sergeant Robert Rogers now? And it's like, still at SSS, bro. <laughs> he said he was going, he was on the Kaduna, I think Abuja Kaduna Highway or something tires gave out injured his spine Mm. uh, and yeah and that's when he retired 2009 which like i think i had even graduated secondary school that was my last year of high school Mm. oh yeah you got macho you're older than me i forget (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure you did double promotion you seem like a double promotion shoddy come Mm. off it they always wear glasses (laughs) um but yeah so that's when he retired y'all so Mustafa was put on trial for a while, but he's chilling. No, he is chilling, chilling. It's so crazy. I was talking about Mustafa yesterday at my mm-hmm. favorite wine place where I go and talk to fellow history nerds or political nerds. And, like, it was just, like, the guy was like, yeah, man, like, Nigeria, impunity everywhere. Like, he just should not be out. I mean, not just not be out. He should be below the prison. Under the jail. Under the jail. He should be, <laughs> he should be in a basement. You know, I usually join you to say these things with my full chest, but honestly, I do date. I, I do fear small, but not that much. But it's crazy, like, even because there's... I've read so many stories. I wanted to mention one guy. The thing is, like, you know, we know about... Most people know about, like, Alex Ibru, the Alex Ibrus or the Padisaya, Kudirata Biola... Um, Yaoloja Tedrushu, like, you know, the big ones, but then there are all these, like, smaller, like, people, like, Nadeko staff, and, like, 
No, you're laugh. Why are you laughing? No, because it's true. I forgot about them. <laughs> and they were like just sitting in jail for years. Mm. Some of them were killed. Some of them were sitting in jail. Someone's, you know, or they'd be like, oh, you know, there's there's this chieftain who who survived, but like his security his security died or his driver died. I'm like, they're just like footnotes in history. They're not celebrated the same yeah. way on June twelfth, <coughs> right? Yeah. Which is actually like. What I was looking at is that like, those are also unsung heroes. Like Nigerians were already bad enough with our history. Even yeah. <laughs> no, I think we, I think honestly, the main reason Apiola got so much recognition was what he signified for Nigeria at the time, and the hope that we had to defer when he died. You know, so that was like a big. It was it was very traumatic for my people. It was very Your traumatic. people being Yoruba people. Oh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. There's. Do you know I realized something recently? Because Maya sent me a video of myself. Mm. <laughs> I have been saying Asiwaju for the last 20 odd years. Mm-hmm. This is Ashiwaju because he's in France. Ashi, Siwaju. Yeah. I've been saying Asi. Ashiwaju, Ashiwaju. I don't say that. I just don't. I just use. I just say Tinubu. I've been saying Asiwaju this yeah. whole time. I don't think there should be variations in how his name is pronounced. Yeah, my wasn't sent me a clip. Said, "Hey, you this half your bag girl. What did you just say?" He's <laughs> <laughs> like the other half is jumping out. No mind, no mind, my You pure purists. Um, Thank you guys for listening to this episode and vibing with us. I think today's one is going to be very juicy. I don't think I'm going to cut out that much. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, it's nice. It's a thick episode. Yeah. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. Ooh, the name of the person that I, I said I would tell you guys. So there is a man called Francis Ede. Mm. He's from Ebony State and he was a staff member of Nadeko. And he was supposed to be executed, actually. According to him, he was supposed to be executed. According to the Sun newspaper, mm-hmm. he was supposed to be executed the day that Abacha died, that June 8th. But because Abacha died in the morning, they just didn't execute. That, yeah, people fall through the cracks a lot. But he was in jail for so long. Like, he was just forgotten because he wasn't a big name. And he no wasn't... Was trying to get him. Yeah. And he was tortured and all these things and he was freed by none other than Femi Falano Faust's dad <laughs> are you clapping? Yeah. <laughs> no I no because I was reading about him about this man who was supposed to die that day but then Abacha died like the person who was trying to kill him died first so mm. he survived yeah, okay. but he was in jail for a very long time is he is as of this article which was in 2021, he was alive. So mm-hmm. I hope he's still alive. He basically talks about how it's very painful to be forgotten. Mm. Forgotten in jail, forgotten as part of the struggle. He spoke at like the Oputa panels, I believe. He was ordered, the state was ordered to pay him restitution, but that didn't happen. Of course it didn't, of course it didn't happen. Um, he was tortured. Like he suffered a lot. And I just, it's actually really sucky like i because of the human rights abuses is actually how femi falano was able to get him out of jail wow but it's so thank i mean i'm happy that happened like i'm happy there's someone who is paying attention yeah but it's like someone like francis Ede, he's never gonna be in any history book 
he's never gonna be celebrated on june 12th like june 12th comes every year and i'm sure there's just like a pang of pain mm. And he's not like the politicians who use June twelfth as some badge of like I was there, I did that. Like which I mean is fair enough. It's it's fair enough for most of them. I mean, obviously people retroactively enlarging or embigging their role in the struggle after the fact. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for someone who who suffered so much because he was part of Nadeco, he was part of the staff or was fighting for democracy, for these smaller guys who don't end up becoming politicians or who aren't part of like the political elite it's like i feel like it's just a very common nigerian story that sofa head and amounts to what i mean who wants a legacy of suffering no one but sometimes that's all you get that's all you get that's all you get well shout out to june 12th shout out to the people who fought military on our behalf and the francis eddies and all the skies who who don't get to have their names, you know, celebrated and and they don't get to have the songs written about them, but they're important. And shout out to you guys and shout out to TLT. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't feel like the right time to <laughs> say happy birthday. And shout out to everyone. I can you have a lovely, lovely week. This is, this is one of my favorite times in the year. Joy, joy, joy. Send him a happy birthday. We'll really appreciate it. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. But I will bring you